Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, where each week, Dr. Frank Domino, along with his guests, translates today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. Now, broadcasting from the University of Massachusetts Medical School in Worcester, Mass., your host, Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health, and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Alice is 60 and she's here for her hypertension follow-up. Her blood pressure is under excellent control, but her BMI is just over 30. She has no other comorbidities and has a few questions. She hears so much on the news. One day it's don't eat bacon, the next day it says eat bacon, grill your food or not. Alcohol's good for you, alcohol's bad for you. Recently she heard that coffee was beneficial and she asked you to explain. Joining me today is Jill Terrian, Associate Professor at the University of Massachusetts Medical School, Graduate School of Nursing, and Director of the Nurse Practitioner Program at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Welcome to the show, Jill. Thank you, Frank. Wow, coffee. Uh, I, I have to have my few cups every morning. I know most of us do. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, the issues around coffee being in the news lately, especially about its health benefits? Absolutely, Frank. So. I came upon this study. Um, I happen to be an avid coffee drinker myself, and I thought it was very, very interesting. So what this was was a, a really, it was called an umbrella study, and what that meant is that they looked at um, meta-analyses of both observational and interventional studies that looked at the associations of coffee consumption and any health outcome in any adult population in any country in all settings. So it was a very, very broad net that they cast. They excluded people that had genetic polymorphism. So the people that only need a little bit of coffee that might really rev them up, they can't drink coffee after four o'clock, to the people that could drink multitudes of coffee a day and not ever have an effect from it. So those people, anything about that was excluded from the actual um, review. So what they found is that when they looked at the observational research, they came out with like 60 plus unique health outcomes and 17 meta-analyses that looked at interventional research. So what does it all mean? Um, what they found is that coffee consumption was more of a benefit than a harm. Uh, they looked at a range of health outcomes and they looked at amounts of coffee of people drank that could be high versus low none versus any amount, and also people that had one extra cup a day, which is really interesting. Okay, so it sounds like this huge study looked at the influence of coffee on a variety of health outcomes, and they just excluded those that were slow to metabolize it and had adverse effects from it. What did those studies find? They found that when you look at it overall, uh, that in all-cause mortality, if you drank three to four cups of coffee a day on average, that you reduced your all-cause mortality, and it could be related to also cardiovascular mortality was decreased, cardiovascular disease was decreased, and that high versus low consumption also could have a, a risk of lowering cancer. Wow, it sounds like this study gave very positive findings to getting folks to consider three to four cups a day, realizing that some of this is observational. What do you think? Is that something you're going to recommend to patients? Well, here's what I feel, and again, being a nurse for many, many years, I mean, that was my intro into coffee. I was a night nurse. 
and you know I didn't ever have coffee and there I was in my early 20s working 11 to 7 and I thought I'd give it a try and so I like coffee and I'm happy that I fit in the three to four cup range that seems to be me but on the other hand I don't know if I'd have somebody begin drinking it just to see if it would benefit them. I don't think there's enough in information about that. And what they propose at the end of this umbrella study is that they do do interventional research, but that it's you know more controlled. Because coffee itself can come in many different forms. I was just gonna ask you about that. Um, you know, I think of coffee as my parents percolating it on the stove, me buying my beans and grinding them right before I, I drink it, and now there's the ubiquitous automatic cup-based coffees. What, what, what is coffee and, and what about it or what's in it that makes the difference? Is it just the caffeine? So it's not just the caffeine, and I'll actually talk about decaffeinated products in a second, or decaffeinated coffee in a, in a minute, but coffee is a really complex mix of um, bioactive compounds and then coffee it starts with the coffee bean itself the type of bean so most coffee is arabica but there's also other forms such as robusta and many more after that then what is the grinding process and the brewing process like you talk about your parents I remember the percolator on the stove. I remember the electric pot. I remember, you know, all kinds of ways. There's French presses, and this study in particular did not comment on that, but one thing I was piqued is how big is a cup of coffee? Because if I'm going to my coffee shop and ordering an extra large, how many cups is that actually, sure. right? So there is no standard universal coffee cup size that we know of. So how did the how did they look at cups and measure cups in this study is that they actually the data was collected in a lot of different ways because it was a multitude of studies right so sometimes they had people self-report how much do you drink in a week and then they averaged it out per day sometime they asked them to document daily consumption so as you can see there were a multitude of ways they collected the data to come down with the three to four cups of day being of benefit. One other thing I want to say about the coffee bean and coffee in general is that it is made up of many bioactive compounds, particularly antioxidants, and that's where they think that most of the benefits does come from. Okay, so now you mentioned decaf. Tell us a little bit about decaf. Well, what they found in these studies as they looked at them is that they had had some similar outcomes, whether that was decaffeinated coffee or caffeinated coffee. Um, so they have some of the same decaffeinated coffee beans have some of the same bioactive compounds but they just don't have the caffeine or they have very little okay um, I've heard about uh, the data on the reduction in all-cause mortality and cardiovascular outcomes and I remember reading about coffee consumption and, and protective effects on the liver what about the harmful effects of coffee what did this study find as you know we they included all people all populations also pregnant women one of the things they found is a possible harm um, in pregnancy to drinking coffee. Caffeine actually doubles its half-life in when women are pregnant. So the fetus is exposed to it longer, and they think that that may be a, a harm, a potential harm. However, they did not talk specifically about neural tube defects or anything like that. So it was mostly um, the risk for low birth weight and preterm labor, but as far as this study shows, there wasn't any adverse effects on the pregnancy 
uh, with regards to structural abnormalities or genetic abnormalities. Right. Very good. Well, thanks, Jill. This is terrific. I like my coffee in the morning, um, and it sounds like Alice is pretty curious, too. What should we tell her? So I'm going to tell Alice, you know, it is sometimes frustrating to hear all the information of the positives and negatives, especially of some of the things you really enjoy in life. So I would want to know, how much coffee does Alice drink? You know, and if it's three to four cups a day, I'd say she's right in the ballpark of, you know, the uh, benefit of coffee. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you, Frank. Practice pointer. Three to four cups of coffee a day, be it decaf or regular, correlates with lower risks of heart disease and all-cause mortality. Join us next time when we discuss the role of sleep and its influence over the development of metabolic syndrome. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. For more information about the article referenced in today's episode, look under the Resources section of the episode landing page. Need help reaching your CME credit goal this year? If so, please browse the more than 300 free CME-accredited activities now available on PrimeMed.com. Thank you again for listening.